0: This is Project Keto. I'm your host, Madeline Evergreen. This podcast is a result of my lifelong experience searching for the answers to my health struggles. I'm here to teach you the how-tos, practical tips, and tactics to eating a ketogenic diet. No more deprivation or confusion when it comes to your amazing body. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show hi thank you so much for having me yeah i've been following you on instagram for quite a while now and for anybody who doesn't know you they should definitely go check out your instagram it's carnivore.yogi and you also have a really fabulous youtube channel and a podcast called the carnivore yogi podcast and everything that you've put out there has just been so helpful for me with um, learning more about how carnivore works how keto can work um, food addiction and even going way beyond diet going into gut healing and mental health and all kinds of other things so before we really jump into a whole bunch of conversation i would love if you could share your own personal journey of health with all of us listening Yeah. I mean, it's,
1: (laughs) there's a lot, I guess, but I, um, I didn't really pay attention to my health so much until after I had my daughter. And then that was kind of my wake up call. I had gained a lot of weight in my pregnancy and I just wanted to be healthy for her. And then when she was diagnosed with autism, it kind of sped everything up in a bigger direction of like, now I really need to be healthy because I want to be able to take care of her. Um, so I just started getting really curious about health right away after she was born. First of all, to help her, um, I was trying to figure out what would be the best diet for her, um, to help her brain the most. And then for me also, and so we did everything from, obviously we did gluten-free, dairy-free right away. Um, and then kind of looked a little bit towards paleo before it was called paleo. Then I decided to become a yoga teacher. I had quit my full-time job, um and found yoga was helping me to kind of cope with being a full-time parent, which was new for me, and a special needs parent, which was new and unexpected. And so yoga was helping. So I started to um, go to yoga teacher training. And it was like right about that time, I decided I also wanted to try veganism because it was touted as this like super healthy diet. And a lot of people that did yoga also were vegan and a lot of teachers I knew were vegan. And so I thought, well, this is just a natural progression. And so um, I jumped into veganism and it was good at first. And then it started having a lot of diminishing returns, I would say, after the first year. And by the end of the second year, I was just a total mess. Um, just a lot of injuries, cavities. I was very underweight. Couldn't get muscle, would get injured a lot. Um, and couldn't heal from injuries. And so finally, one of my teachers was like, you can do yoga and eat meat at the same time, it's okay. And um, kind of helped talk to me into starting to eat some animal foods again. So uh, I started with egg whites and chicken because I was afraid of everything else, uh, but I, that, that helped. And um, eventually I was eating red meat again, eventually. I went more towards like a paleo diet um, and that worked for a while for me until it kind of stopped working and I think it was a lot of the anti-nutrients, a lot of nuts I was eating because they're kind of paleo, you know, Um, a lot of plants and I was trying to just eat a little bit of meat and mostly plants and ended up really having a lot of issues like IBS, um, a lot of joint pain depression, just a lot of stuff that I was desperate to get rid of. And a friend of mine who's a functional medicine doctor, she had been doing the carnivore diet and she recommended that I try it out. And I was like, you're crazy. (laughs) But I was really desperate to kind of just feel better. I had had to stop practicing yoga because my joints were hurting so bad. And so, and I was a teacher full time at that point. Um, So I was like, fine, I'll try it. And then Within about three weeks, I was able to practice yoga again. I was feeling better and my stomach was better. It worked really quickly. And then what ended up, what was going to just be like a 30-day experiment ended up being like, you know, two years, two and a half years and like, here I am today.
0: Okay. So was it just easy for you to stick with carnivore for two years and then did all of your health problems just resolve from that? Or are there other things that you had to do as well. Yeah.
1: You know, there's definitely been some troubleshooting that I've done in the very beginning. I think the carnivore diet was like great. And I didn't have to do a lot of extra stuff, but then I started running into issues cause I wasn't supplementing electrolytes. Um, I wasn't balancing sodium and potassium. So I started having some issues with electrolytes. I started, I was doing a little too much fasting and that started causing some hormonal issues with me. And then I noticed I was like everyone's like, oh, I never get sick, and I got like really sick um, within like a six-week time span, like really sick. And so that kind of it didn't t- tip me off at the time that there was something going on with my gut. Like, um, did you
0: get sick? Like, you got a cold or a flu, or you? Yeah, were just it was sick like the
1: it was the flu. Oh, um, okay. yeah, I got the flu and I was knocked down pretty hard, like in November of that year. And that was like year one for me. I had started that January and then it happened again in January. I still think it could have been the, the C word that I got in January mm-hmm. uh, because it was right at the beginning of 2020. And I was like unusually sick for like three weeks, was out of work. Um, okay. It was really bad. But I was, you know, I was like, why am I getting these infections? What's going on? And I didn't really connect the dots at the time that if you're having stuff like that, it could be something going on with your gut. Um so 2021 for me was like or 2020 for me was like kind of diving into learning about healing the gut um fixing electrolytes like learning about minerals l- like learning about all this stuff and um now here i am and i'm still mostly carnivore i've played around with adding a few things back in but just being more carnivore is easy for me um mm-hmm. uh, but now i have a handle on all that stuff and um I'm feeling good. I haven't been sick at all, and yeah, things have been going really well, especially since I've been working on my gut, for sure.
0: So what does working on your gut mean?
1: Yeah, so for me, I had um, started working a little bit with nutrition with Judy. Um, she's a friend of mine, and she had me start on just some probiotics. and. But I also, what I sh- wish I had done was started using some HCl, some um, for stomach acid, and then some digestive enzymes. That really made a huge difference for me because what I found is that I wasn't breaking down my food, I wasn't absorbing my nutrients because I had done a lot of gut damage prior. You know, I had been on a lot of antibiotics, I'd been on a lot of different medications. Um, And so there was just a lot of prior gut damage before I even went into carnivore. And that's probably why I had such severe IBS and I had such severe issues before carnivore even started was because it was my, my gut that needed healing. So for me, like elimination diet is great but you have to go a little bit deeper and, and see what's going on in your gut. Do you have severe dysbiosis? Um, do, are you, do you have enough stomach acid? Do you have proper enzymatic function? And then I've also added some butyrate in as well and supplement with butyrate. And that's been helpful. So it's been, it's been a lot of stuff that I've done. I still use the probiotics. Um, I'm still using the enzymes and the HCL and the postbiotic right now as well. But those things are working really well for me. So I might take a break from them um, or wean down in a little bit.
0: So tell us a little bit more about HCL and what is that and why would anybody be taking that?
1: Well, a lot of people do have low stomach acid. And I think when you're trying to eat like a meat heavy diet, you probably do need a little bit more support there, you know? Um, so low stomach acid again can be caused from prior damage, but can also be caused by stress, you know? And so I think that that definitely plays a big role.
0: Sure. So then, um, when you take hydrochloric acid, like, did you just take like one of those pills? Or I know some people have to take really a lot. Like at one point I was taking eight per meal and then it took me a few years to wean down to now I take one.
1: Per meal. Yeah. I've started off with a much higher dose because I've just started using the HCL and I started off with like six or seven.
0: Okay. Um,
1: now I'm down to four or five before a meal.
0: Oh, good. That's great. Yeah. 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 And so you take yours right before the meal or do you yeah. take it like throughout your meal?
1: I take it right before and then right I take before. the enzymes halfway through.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a good method. And then what brand do you use for those supplements?
1: Um, I use the healthy gut supplements and I've had the owner um, Steve Wright on my podcast probably like four times now Um, just because those products have worked better for me than anything else I've tried because I've tried HCL and enzymes before Mm -hmm. um, and these have just been amazing and he has the butyrate supplement as well so I use all the healthy gut supplements
0: oh good yeah. yeah i hear a lot of people um talking about carnivore and, and saying that you absolutely never need any supplements and you know just eating carnivore is going to completely solve all of your health problems and personally that has not been the case for me at all i've had to do a lot of other things like take some of the same sorts of supplements you're talking about and um, go even beyond that so like are there Other things that you do for your health too, like saunas or detoxing or exercise or any other practices that you have as well? Yeah, I have a
1: pretty um, strict kind of like sunlight protocol where I'm making sure that I view the sun within like a half hour of waking, like walk outside face east, look at the sun, try to get sunlight exposure on bare skin every single day to try to boost my vitamin D. I'm really careful about um, you know keeping electronics in the bedroom, turning Wi-Fi off at night. I'm trying I really work hard on my sleep. I have a pretty stringent like I'm in bed at this time, end of story kind of a deal going on with my family. Um, and yeah so I, I work on the whole lifestyle thing too. I do exercise and I do weight train at least twice a week. Um, I love sauna when I can get to sauna, I will, there's a place here in Atlanta where you can purchase a bunch of, of, um, sessions. And so I will go do sauna. Um, I like cold, cold showers and I love, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. It's just fun to, fun to do. And it makes you feel really good. Mm -hmm. So I definitely do more than just carnivore. I also am like, really mindful of my electrolytes for sure. I think that's one place that some people can really um, have issues is if their electrolytes are off, if their sodium or potassium gets off, if their magnesium is low and most people are low on magnesium, but yeah, I mean, between those are the things I really do.
0: So how does somebody know if their electrolytes are off?
1: Usually symptoms. Um, I knew my potassium was low. I would have a lot of swelling in my face. It was like I was get, taking in too much salt and no potassium to balance it all out. So my face would swell. I would have a lot of excess urination. Um, I would just feel tired. I'd feel really fatigued. Um, you know, leg cramps are another one. Um, There's a lot of different symptoms that you know that your electrolytes are off. Um, Just usually just feeling tired and really run down is a big one that I see with people.
0: Okay. And then do you take like potassium or sodium or some kind of electrolyte powder or what do you do for that?
1: I have tried a bunch of different things. Um, Upgraded formulas is a company I've worked with and I've done a few hair tissue mineral analyses with them. And, you know, they kind of have given me the amount of potassium to try. So I'll do sole water with the potassium that they tell me to take. They kind of tell me based on my hair tissue mineral analysis. Okay. So I've, I've done that a little bit. I've also recently just tried out LMNT just to see how I like that. And that's been pretty good. Um, I've been cautious with the powders because sometimes you don't, you know, you don't know if you're getting too much of something or too little of something, but I figured I would try them out because I'm going to interview Rob Wolf on my podcast. So he sent me a bunch of element tea to try. So I've got like tons of it in my kitchen. So I've been kind of testing it out over the last couple of weeks and it's been good so far.
0: Okay, cool. And then switching gears a little bit, I've noticed on, I think it's your Instagram recently, you've been posting about um, experimenting with either higher fat or leaner
1: mm-hmm. days.
0: Is that correct?
1: I don't really do the lean thing. Okay. Um, yeah. I haven't done the, I know it's like really trendy right now, but I don't drop my fat below like a hundred grams a day. Like I'm
0: sure. <laughs> yeah. Did, did I see that you said something about that? If you go too lean, then your blood sugar spikes or oh, what, definitely what happens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: For me in the past, I have a higher blood sugar and I'm not in ketosis. And so the bot, my body and most people, honestly, what I see is that they just are running gluconeogenesis all the time they're never in ketosis mm. and they're not eating carbohydrates and it's just a really stressful thing for the body um so that's why I don't really do that some people may not have that issue but I have I've been seeing a ton of it i mean a ton of it when i did a live stream like a week ago i had a a bunch of people that were on there like what do you think about protein sparing modified fast and I'm doing it my cortisol's really high I've lost weight but my cortisol's really high what does that mean um, or some people say I just don't really feel very well doing that and I'm like well I think those kind of high protein things are okay to maybe do once or twice a week but not to do it as a full-time you know
0: Right. So explain to us about what, let's do a reminder for everybody. What is gluconeogenesis?
1: Well, I mean, it's a necessary process and I don't think we should be fearful of it, but it's essentially when we make our bodies not having sugar coming in and our body makes sugar essentially in a simple, in simple terms. Um, And that's going to happen if you're in ketosis or you're following a keto diet, and it's not a dangerous, awful thing, but you just don't want it to be happening 24 hours a day. You know what I mean? And that's Mm -hmm. what I see with people who are trying to limit their fat on a low or no carb diet. That's the biggest problem.
0: So then how does adding more fat help with having too much gluconeogenesis?
1: Well, it just allows your body to easily switch into ketosis. Okay, yeah,
0: okay, great. So maybe some people's bodies, um, maybe some people's bodies don't really have that issue and they do really well with a lot of the leaner days and then other people it's not the case.
1: Yeah, and I think the younger that you are, honestly, the more you can probably get away with that. Um, for women especially men, not men are a little different, but for women, especially if you're younger, I think you can get away with it. Once you hit perimenopause and the ovaries are kind of starting to do, a little bit less work, your adrenals are really taking over some, a lot of the work, um, you're going to be a lot more likely to have issues with your cortisol. And w- if you're in gluconeogenesis all the time, that's a very adrenaline kind of cortisol driven process that can just be really stressful on the body.
0: And then what about people who have maybe 100 or 200 pounds to lose? Do you think that, that it's different for them that m- does the protein sparing modified fasting perhaps work better for those people? Um, It's possible.
1: I still think for them to not feel like complete crap, honestly, the biggest thing that those people need to be doing is being in a calorie deficit. And I know a lot of people will be like, Oh, calories. But I mean, that's just kind of it. That's, you know, it's not just calories in, calories out. There's also adrenal hormones. There's also gut function involved, But you do have to account for an energy deficit if you want to lose weight. So Mm -hmm. those people, I don't think need to freak out and and do this protein sparing thing so much as they just need to make sure that they're eating less than they're burning. And I think that you can preserve your hormones a little bit better and the functions of your body a little bit better if you're really more in a state of ketosis um, and you're just in that fat burning place. I think it's just better for your hormones and your body.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, does it feel like for you, it's just easy to stick with the diet that you're doing now and you feel good, or do you have a lot of cravings or temptations or challenges with staying on track?
1: It's easy for me at this point, honestly, I don't, it's not something I think about too much. It's just like, this is what I'm doing. Um, I don't really get cravings. I, you know, it's just, I've kind of coast, which is like, for me, living the dream. Cause I never felt like this before. I always struggled with emotional eating and binge eating and just eating too much. Like I just always struggled with that. And now it's really like, yeah, I mean, I eat, I'm satisfied and then I can live my life, go on with my life.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you think it is exactly that's made it so that you don't struggle with like binge eating and cravings and all of that?
1: I think that it's honestly just not having um, sugar in my life, just plain and simple because that does something to my brain. It um, makes me crave more of it. It makes me think about it more. So I honestly feel like as long as I don't have like a substance in my body, like that's how I am with alcohol. That's how I am with coffee. If I don't put it in, then I'm not going to crave it, you know, but if I'm, constantly sneaking something in or having something, it just is like an addictive nature thing. So now it's like, I'm just eating real whole foods, um, no processed foods, no keto treats or anything like that. And I don't have a bunch of cravings, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, that's so great. So I know you've been talking quite a bit on your podcast about food addiction. Yes. So tell us a little bit about um, like, what is food addiction? Because I know, I know that there are people who say that food addiction isn't real, or it doesn't exist. So let's, let's clarify that at least your perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that addiction is addiction. And you can put alcohol, food, cigarettes, coffee, like there's, you can put whatever in front of that. And it's, it's just addiction, you know, and so people can be addicted to different things. Like I know some people that are addicted to alcohol, that's something I struggled with and I had to give it up and abstinence and just going and being in recovery is the only thing, the only solution for that. And going and having a glass of wine once a week is a really you know, bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same thing can happen with food um, where people literally are just addicted to food. They're addicted, especially to the processed foods and There's a chemical reaction, just like with alcohol or with coffee or any of that stuff that happens in the brain, it does, it fires your dopamine and it makes you just want more and more of it. So some people just are like that with food, um, but we don't really recognize it in society. We just tell the people that they have an eating disorder, you know, Um, when in my, what I think is that really it's more people that are just struggling with addiction than it is an eating disorder.
0: So do you think that they're just addicted like to all food and they just want to be eating something at all times or is it specific foods or specific, you know, like carbs or like, what is that?
1: I think there's varying degrees of it. Just like addiction is a scale. It's not like this black and white thing. I think some people just from my experience of being kind of in the food addiction realm, there are some people that will be fine eating like sweet potatoes and like blueberries or, you know, some of the non more like paleo types of foods and they're fine. Um, they're not going to overeat them or binge eat them. There's some people that can't have those things because they'll just overeat them. Um, and so there, it's I think there's a spectrum. I honestly think that processed foods in general, they're engineered to be highly palatable and addictive. And I don't think that if you're a food addict that having those foods in are a good idea but I think there's a range of what people can you know, handle and not. I mean, I know people that have volume addiction where they're just addicted to the feeling of being full. And even if they go on to like a carnivore diet, they can overeat meat because they just want that volume feeling, that full feeling. So I think there's definitely like varying degrees of it. And um, working with a food addiction counselor or somebody who's really educated in that is what's going to be the most helpful to find out kind of where you are. And then just to be honest with, you know, honest with yourself of like, what do I really need to do here? What they, I know a lot of people that will do food plans with people. Um, Some people have to have like a sponsor where they will like call their food in and weigh their food and measure it. It's just like, I think there's just varying degrees of it for sure.
0: And then do you think that eating disorders exist or is that just, it's just separate food addiction and eating disorders are different things. It's
1: hard for me to know for sure, to be honest with you. Um, I do think that there are eating disorders. I do think that there's people with anorexia and bulimia, and but I think that they're somewhere on that addiction spectrum because being in recovery, um, being in those rooms, I have seen people go and stop drinking alcohol or stop doing drugs and then go into anorexia mm-hmm. or start to struggle with bulimia or just start to struggle with compulsive overeating. I've seen that especially with young women is a big it's a big problem. and we you don't really get acknowledged in a, you know the fellowship of like trying to get rid of drugs and alcohol for that. They're just like, oh, you're not gonna die um from uh, eating too much or not eating enough like they don't really acknowledge it so much but i have seen a lot of people just really try to quit drugs and alcohol and then start in with struggling with eating disorders um, or food addiction so i just i feel like it's it's really on that spectrum somewhere where there's a deeper emotional issue that needs to be dealt with maybe it's an unresolved trauma I really do feel like there's a deeper issue there, but for me to say there's no such thing as eating disorders, I don't feel like I'm qualified to say that.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure. And then do your friends and your family members eat the way that you do or have a focus on health?
1: No. (laughs) So, So what's that like? It's weird. I mean, it's like I'm kind of the black sheep of the family and they kind of look at me like I have a tinfoil hat. Um, but that's okay i mean i'm not i don't force my views on anybody i do keep my household uh, my husband's basically paleo just because that's i'll cook a sweet potato for him you know i'll cook a few i'll cook things for him vegetables and sweet potatoes but the most of our meals are like meat-based you know Um, same with my daughter like most of her meals are meat-based and i'll add a few plants in there to just you know because she wants that variety But um, my sisters, my mom, they eat like whatever they want. And it's like, it's hard for me not to say something sometimes, but I just am like, no, they don't want to hear from you. They, you know, I just kind of try to keep it to myself. And I figure if they ever want help, that they'll come to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, my immediate family, like my uh, husband and my mom and my stepdad they all are really on board with eating really well and super clean and healthy. They're not carnivore, but they're, you know, really on track. But my whole extended family, and it's a lot of people, none of them have any sort of interest Mm -hmm. at all. And I know what you mean about kind of being that one person that everybody is like, what are you doing? What's on your plate? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Every
1: holiday gathering, it's like, oh, well, Sarah's not eating, you know? And I'm like, I'm here to hang out with you guys. Yeah. No, I'm not going to eat all this stuff because I know it's going to make me feel really bad. You know, Yeah. I'm here to be with you guys and I'll help clean up and I'll help set up and I'll spend time with you, but they're, and they're all just kind of used to it at this point. Like we'll invite Sarah, but she won't really eat, you know, or I'll bring food for my daughter half the time. Cause I don't want her eating the bread and the rolls and the cakes and all that stuff. Or we leave before dessert. Like it's an agreement I have with my husband where I'm like, we leave, when they start rolling out the dessert, we leave like we're we thank them. And then we leave. And he's like, yep, absolutely. Because there's never been a time where I've stayed and like gorged on the desserts and like felt good never, you know?
0: Yeah. So do you feel like, is that hard for you with your family or does it just not bother you at all?
1: It's not, it doesn't bother me, but what frustrates me is to see them struggle with health issues and just want to say, look, if you just clean up your diet, you wouldn't probably struggle with this. And that's really hard for me to see and then see how they're like raising their kids and Being like, your kid has a weight problem and if you would, you know, not give them these foods, they probably wouldn't have those issues. And it's, so that's hard because I really do want to like be a good aunt and be a good sister and be a good daughter and be like, hey, you don't have to suffer with these issues. You're young and like, you know, maybe society tells you that this is normal, but it's not. Um, So yeah, that's definitely challenging.
0: Mm -hmm. And then do you feel like, like personally, after you leave those family events, does it leave you feeling kind of bothered or upset? Or do you still feel like just as fulfilled and just as, you know, happy from spending time with them?
1: I mean, only if I let it bother me, only if I make it a, a focused point in my mind for most, most of the time, it's just like, I've kind of just surrendered and said, if they want my help, then they will come to me mm-hmm. um, and just try to enjoy it, you know, but sometimes my husband will be like, he'll say something and I'm like, Ugh, I know, you know, he's just like, why, why are they, why is this normal? Why is this okay? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Trust me.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought
1: about that. But if I try not to focus on it, cause it's just one of those things that's pretty much out of my control at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. And then what kind of tips would you have for people who are like a single person in their whole family where they're, starting their health journey. Like they're Mm -hmm. starting something like keto or carnivore or even paleo, or just even something like quitting dairy. I mean, for a lot of people, that's a huge deal. And so many people tell me that they don't have any support. And in fact, they have everybody discouraging them for, for doing that. How does someone even get through that alone?
1: Yeah, I mean I use social media. Like I have I follow a lot of people on Instagram that are doing similar to what I'm doing. That's what I did from day one with Carnivore. Like that's how I started my whole Instagram account. It wasn't to like turn it into anything. Like I started it kind of just as a joke, to be honest with you. I wasn't thinking it was gonna become anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started it because I just wanted to surround myself with oops sorry, my computer just popped up. Um, I just want to surround myself with people who are doing similar things to what I was doing. So I think it's important, even if you're alone, um, to really just make sure that you keep what's in your mind, what comes into your headspace positive. And you can, now we have social media and now we have like online support groups and there's all kinds of cool things that you can get involved in, that you can do um, that don't involve the other people in your house, you know?
0: Mm-hmm yeah that that's a really good point this last year i really cleaned up my social media and got rid of a lot of people i was following where i realized like i don't even know why i'm looking at this person's content or whatever yeah and now i feel like if i go on something like instagram and i look through pretty much everything i see is either some somebody who's really into health and really into healing or friends or family that i really love seeing what they're doing And other than that, I just decide, I just, I don't really need to see those other people. And if I want to see them, I can always just type it in and look them up if it actually comes to mind. Yeah, It it never really does, you know, like celebrities. I don't, Yeah. why am I looking at what they're doing?
1: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah, so I find, um, yeah, what you said there about using social media as like a support system Mm -hmm. is actually really possible. And if, um, for anybody who hasn't like, Delved into the Instagram world of carnivore, there's so many good carnivores on there. You could have like a whole just like explosion of just following carnivore accounts, and that can be really fun to see what everybody's doing.
1: Definitely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to jump way back to to, like the beginning of our conversation, and you were saying that you um, had your daughter and then that's around when you started to get an interest in health. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And was she like, when was she diagnosed with autism and how did that play into your health journey?
1: She was diagnosed like right around 16 months. She had a big regression. So she was like typically developing, talking, eye contact. I mean, I have like all these videos of her, just normal baby. And then it was like, there was a big regression, like, somebody just turned the lights off and she lost all of her speech and her eye contact and everything was just like gone. So that was like super, super traumatic. Um, And I had it, I started losing weight. So I had her, And I was like, right away, I knew I wanted to lose a hundred pounds. Like I just had to do it, but I just went to Weight Watchers and was going to meetings every week. So when she was diagnosed, I was already like pretty much at my goal weight and like in really good shape and like feeling good about myself. And I just did that with Weight Watchers. Um, But when that happened with her, I was immediately like, I have to figure out, like, I was like, she was normal. So something must have happened. Can I like reverse this? How can I help her to get her speech back, to get her eye contact back? How can I bring those things back? And so I started really diving into um, nutrition, detox, um, just trying to figure, like do everything I possibly could to support her, to help her. And that's when I really started learning more about food and toxins, the environment and just kind of diving down this rabbit hole. So that was really the catalyst for me to start looking deeper. If that hadn't happened, I mean, like I said, I lost the weight. I was eating like Lean Cuisine pizzas and like Weight Watchers and all that stuff. And I was, you know, 30 at the time, 29, 30. And so I feel like I could have gotten away with that probably for, a few more years before it would start to cause some issues in my body. Cause I feel like you can get away with stuff a lot easier when you're a little bit younger. Um, so yeah, that was really the big catalyst for me of when I just started opening my eyes and looking deeper at food and toxins in the environment.
0: Mm. So did your daughter regress like over time or just one day she was different?
1: It was, we got a flu shot and that was the morning that we were she was sick that whole day afterwards and then we were in the emergency room that night and she was like because she started throwing up and then we went to the emergency room and they were like what's going on and I was like we are at the doctor this morning and she was totally fine and they were like does she get any vaccines I was like yeah she got a flu shot and they were like okay well this is She has a double ear infection now. So this is probably a reaction to the flu vaccine. This happens, um, here's some antibiotics, she'll be okay. Um, And then after that, like this, everything was gone. That was the pivotal thing. And I'm not like anti-vax or anything like that, but that is what happened. and it was very clear and I have it documented. I filed with, you know, the vaccine injury Mm vers, and it's all documented in her health record. Um, So that was what happened with her. Um, I didn't see issues after other vaccines. I actually quit vaccinating after that. I was like, no more. Uh Um, Because obviously they said at the hospital, this is a reaction to the flu vaccine. And so I was like, okay, well, we're not doing any more of those. And so I've run her titers to make sure she still has immunity from a lot of the stuff that she was vaccinated for in that first 15 months of life. And she still has immunity. So, um, but yeah, that was the story. And that was why I started getting into detox. I'm like, was there something that, you know, damaged her brain? I think there was some kind of a a brain injury that occurred.
0: So did you have any success filing with VAERS or what, what was that process like?
1: they they just took the information and that was it. There was never any retribution or and you know, there was never anything that came out of it, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like, okay, well now you know that this happened and that's, yeah. that was it. That was the end of it.
0: That makes me so mad. Oh, yeah. It just like burns me up inside to hear that kind of thing. It's so upsetting. I mean, not just that you didn't get, you know, compensated or acknowledged, but just the whole thing that happened, that's yeah. I, I, That's very upsetting. I mean, I do yeah. you know, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's
1: unfortunate. Sad. And honestly, there's a, a big community of people here where I live and then across the nation where they're the same thing. They have the same story. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to hear it, you
0: know? Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people like that, especially right now. So it's just yeah, it's yeah. just really sad. So is there anything that you have done with your daughter with her diet or with detox or her lifestyle that seems to have helped her at all?
1: We have done everything. I mean, we've been to different doctors, we've done brain scans, we have done all kinds of different protocols and you know, nothing has really brought her speech back and brought her ability to talk, um, which is the hardest thing because she literally cannot talk to say what she wants to say. And she has it all in her head, but can't get it out. Um, But, and we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. So at this point, what I'm doing with her is keeping her diet, mostly keto. And that does help a lot. I don't give her like processed foods, sugar, cake, candy, ice cream, that kind of stuff. Because if I do, she has serious behavior problems um, and then digestive issues. And so I keep her diet very clean. And it's easy because my diet is clean and my husband's diet is clean. And then we do, we spend our money on therapies for her now. Instead of trying to do all these medical detox interventions, which none of them ever really... Did much for her. They just kind of drained our bank account. And some of them, they made her more um, emotional and upset, probably because she didn't feel good, probably because they made her feel bad. And now I feel bad about putting her through all that stuff when she was so young. But um, yeah, we spend most of our money on therapies for her so that she can um, spell to communicate. We found that she can do math. So we spend money for her to go. She's doing like calculus. And so there's a yeah, there's a therapist that works with her. There's um, letter boards and she has number boards. And so that's what we did yesterday. We do it on Sundays as we go and she teaches her calculus and Alexis like loves it. She's like in heaven because um, she's actually able to like utilize her brain and then kind of express herself. So it's it's pretty cool. But like I said, it's like she's really just trapped and she can't speak.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh, that must just be a lot, a lot for you and your husband and your family.
1: Definitely is.
0: But it's really nice to hear that you have the diet component with her and that you, you know, you're supportive of that and you work with that with her. That's a big deal.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So it's about time for us to start wrapping up here. So I just want to give you a chance if there's anything else that you'd like to share with anybody or any just last minute, you know, tips or inspiration for people that are just starting out on their health journey, what would you have to say to them?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is just don't try to do it all at once. Like You have to just take things one day at a time and don't try to think too far into the future. I think people outthink themselves with this type of thing and it becomes like this um, paralysis by analysis type of deal. And everyone just like, they overcomplicate and they're like, they never get started because they just are like letting the thinking take over. And so my advice is just like, don't overthink it, keep it really simple and just take it one day at a time. And you don't have to think about doing this in a year from now or five years from now or whatever. Just think about today and making today the best that you can.
0: That's great. And then where's the best place for people to find you? Yeah,
1: my Instagram is a, probably the best place if you want to message me or find me, um, just at carnivore.yogi over on Instagram. And there's, if you go to my bio on Instagram, you can get links to my podcast, links to um, my YouTube channel, all that stuff. So it's just a nice little hub if you want to find me.
0: Awesome. Oh, and I just thought of something. Everybody should definitely go and check out your video with the recipe for those egg yolk waffles. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> so I I don't do well with egg yolks at all, but I make the egg white bread like every day at Maria Emmerich's bread, and then my husband takes all the yolks and he makes your waffles. Oh nice. And it's really fun. So and I've tried them, but it just I just can't eat egg yolks. But yeah, they taste amazing. So um everybody should go check that out if you like waffles or I think you can make them into muffins too, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so that's a, a fun video that you've got on there. Thank you, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. well, thanks again, Sarah. This was just such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you all so much for listening today. That was such a fun interview with Sarah. Two reminders before we go, number one, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening. It really makes a difference in the success of the show. And number two, don't forget to submit your questions for the Ask Me Anything episode coming up in a few weeks. There's two ways to submit. You can either send me a message on Instagram with your question and find me at Madeline Rosie Evergreen, or just look in the show notes below and there will be a link for you to submit your question that way. Thanks so much, and I will catch you next time.